Okay. There's a handout that was on the back table. Probably all have it. If not, you can pick one up. I'm going to be teaching part two today of this teaching on distractions. And I want to go back and review how God put this teaching in my heart. Um, about six months or so ago, I had one of those nightmarish dreams where in my dream, everything was chaotic. How many of you have had those dreams where everything's going crazy in your dream and you wake up and you go, oh my gosh, you feel all stressed and all confused and all overwhelmed and it was just a dream and you, think, and you say, thank you, Jesus, that it was just a dream. Well, in this dream that I had, it was that kind of a dream, but it was that kind multiplied by four because there were four major areas of chaos in my dream. The first one had to do with work. And in my dream, I was back in my old position of learning consultant in Rochester schools with mountains of responsibility and busyness and multitasking and, and, and responsibility. So that was the first part of my dream, which in itself was a nightmare because I love retirement. So that was the first part of my dream. The second part of my dream, at the same time that I was in the midst of this crazy busyness at work in my dream, my grandchildren and my son and daughter-in-law were visiting in my dream. And those of you who know me know that I am 100% grandma when I'm with my babies because we're long distance grandma and grandpa. So when we're with them, we don't, I mean, everything else stops except my time with Jesus. And I am grandma 100%. But in my dream, I was trying to be 100% grandma, but had all this stuff going on at work, and it was just crazy. And then the third part of my dream was that in the midst of all of this, there was strife in my home. And there were harsh words and bitterness and anger and yuck. People just throwing daggers with words and hurting one another's feelings in my home. That's not like my home. We rarely have what I call strife in my home. So it was, oh, it was just awful. Just that feeling of people not, you know, being in unity. It was just really yucky. And then the fourth part of my dream, all this was in the same dream. The fourth part of my dream had to do with the political thing that go, that's going on in our world right now. And the, the dissension between the far left and the far right and the hate words and the, the, oh, just the, the venom that's being poured out in this country that we live in right now between the, the two um, far, you know, far left, far right. And I woke up <laughs> after that dream. And the feeling that was inside of me was just, just filled with confusion and chaos and yucky feeling. And I was really glad it was a dream. But I felt like God was trying to tell me something in the midst of it. So I sat down with my journal, and the first thing I did was jotted down the pieces of the dream, the four pieces of the dream. And then I said, God, what do you want me to know about this? Why do I feel like you're trying to tell me something? And as I asked him and just listened and got still, I felt like he was showing me that this isn't unusual that the kind of thing that I was dreaming isn't unusual in all of our lives. Maybe not all of that at once, but pieces of that are so much a part of the life that we live. And it can be very, very, very dangerous. This is a healing class. And what we're going to look at today is how those kind of situations can hinder our health and it can also hinder our healing. So it completely connects with the healing ministry. Last week, I taught about two pieces of this distraction. I taught about confusion, which is of the enemy. God says in the word, he says, I am not the author of confusion, but of peace. So last week, I talked about confusion, and I talked about strife. Today I'm going to talk about the other two pieces that I had in this dream. I'm going to talk about busyness and responsibility and how that can, doesn't have to, but it can build up into stress. And so that's what we're going to look at today is busyness and stress. So one of, one of the teachers that I like to listen to, Bill Johnson, had this quote in one of the teachings I lis listened to. And the quote is, dis ease will result in disease. 
dis-ease, not being at ease, and I wouldn't use the word will, but I would say may or can, result in disease. In the medical realm, there is a word called homeostasis, and that word means that within the body, there needs to be equilibrium. And when the body has equilibrium, then homeostasis has occurred, and homeostasis is what we need to live a, a life of health. So God has created us in this amazing body that has all of these systems that when they work together, as they were created to do, they maintain homeostasis. This week I was praying with my prayer partner one morning, and one of the things we often do is we just praise God for creation and for the awe of who he is. And that morning, um, as we were praising God, uh, I just started to praise him for the intricacy of our bodies. And you know, if you stop and think about it, which I do when I'm talking to God, not every day, but occasionally, and I did this this week, and you think about how he created us with every system in our body to work together and to be in health. That's amazing to me. As I was praying with my friend, one of the things we were just standing in awe of is the miracle of conceiving a baby. That's amazing. That two microscopic cells from a man and a woman can come together and create this miracle of new life. That's God. That's just so God. So we were just meditating on the, the amazing gift of our bodies and how our bodies have been created to work in this, this, this place of homeostasis. Now, God has a different word for homeostasis. His word is shalom. It's that same word that God gave to you, Mary. The English word for shalom is peace. That word shalom that you read in Isaiah 57, that word that God gave you when you were sitting at that bench that day that you had been diagnosed with cancer, and he just dropped that into your heart. That word shalom, that word peace, is so much bigger than what we think of when we think of peace. We probably already all know it, but let's just review it. That word shalom means completeness in every area of your life. The medical term homeostasis is only talking about your physical body. God's way bigger than that. God's word shalom means completeness in your spirit and soul and body. God's word shalom means soundness. It means health and wellness. It means having all your needs met. Sometimes we use the word prosperity, but I like the, the term having all your needs met in every area of life. It means safety and welfare and protection. It means nothing missing and nothing broken. That's God's best for us. It says in that Isaiah scripture in chapter 55, it says that the price was paid through him, through Jesus' death and resurrection for our shalom. And then there's a, a comma or a semicolon. It's not a new sentence. And it says, the chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. It's all part of the same amazing redemptive gift. It's amazing. But today we're going to talk about dis-ease, not being in shalom, not being in homeostasis. When your body's not in that place of peace, of shalom, when you're out of balance in any area, disease can result. Researchers estimate that 75 to 90% of all doctor visits are in some way related to stress. 95%, 80, I'm sorry, 75 to 90%, somehow related to stress. Stress can affect just about every system in your body or your soul. So here are some examples. Your muscles are a prime target for stress. Headaches, neck pain, jaw pain, and back pain are very common areas where stress-induced condition can result from muscle tension. Stress is considered a major risk factor in heart disease and strokes. 
resulting from increased blood pressure and elevated cholesterol. Kent's father had six bypasses at the age of 44. And the doctors looked, of course, like they do. They look at his lifestyle. And a major contributing factor to his heart problem was stress. He had a very stressful job. And he didn't know that we don't have to live without stress. I'm going to teach about that today. Stress can affect your digestive system. That's a big area that it seems to target, resulting in a red, uh, digestive issues like constipation, diarrhea, um, IBS, colitis, and Crohn's. Stress can also compromise your immune system, making it less effective and resisting bacteria and viruses. Many times if you're running yourself ragged, going at, bo at both ends of the candle or whatever that they call that, you end up getting sick, catching a cold, catching a bug, catching something because your immune system is compromised. It can even result in metastasis of cancer. It can even result in things like other autoimmune disorders like rheumatoid arthritis or certain allergies. Before I was diagnosed with cancer, I lived with stress thinking it was a way of life. That is a lie. That is one of the baits of Satan. I'm not saying that life can't, isn't busy because it is busy. In, especially in a lot of seasons of our life. But that doesn't mean that we have to live with stress. I didn't know that, though. So before I was diagnosed with cancer, I let stress pile on, and I tried to deal with it. I tried to live through it, push through it, do whatever I had to do to get through it. I didn't know any different. I remember, you guys know Jenny, my, my mentor that I talk about all the time. She was a young teacher in my school, and I was... Um, I don't know, maybe 15 years into the teaching career by that time. And teachers are crazy people. They work, oh my goodness, so, 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 so many hours and so hard and there's so many responsibilities. Imagine yourself in a classroom with 25 five-year-olds all day, every day. Talk about stress? <laughs> Stressful. But anyway, my friend Jenny, I would look at her and I'd say, there's something different about her. She's always talking about like going to church at night. She's always talking about this and that. How can she do that and teach? How can anybody do that outside of, because they take so much home and so much. So I would look at her and they would look at me and I saw the difference, but I didn't understand it. I do now. I'm going to go to some scripture and show you what God's word says about it. And then I'm going to teach. You'll see on the flip side of your paper. I'm going to teach some practical strategies to de-stress your life and to live the way that God wants us to live. But first, let's look at some word. First scripture I want to talk to share with you is John 10.10. 10. It has two parts. First part says that the thief's purpose, the enemy, Satan, the God of this world's purpose, is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is that you might have life and a life of abundance to the full and to the overflow. There's two distinct possibilities. One is to allow stealing, killing, and destroying in your life, and the other is to do it Jesus' way, which is a life of abundance and fullness and overflow. We're going to look at how God wants us to be in Jesus' purpose and living the full life that he has given us. So we're going to go right now to one verse out of the parable of the sower. In, and we're going to go to Mark chapter 4. But in this parable, um, there is a seed that is sown in the soil. The seed, as Jesus explains the parable, the seed is the word of God. That's what you planted in your heart, Mary. The seed is the word of God. The soil is our heart. It's what that seed is going into. And what we're going to see is that the seed never changes. The word doesn't change. The word is alive and powerful. The word is truth. The word is, oh, has creative power. The word is wonderful. But our heart is what determines how fruitful the seed is. So the one kind of soil we're going to talk about today is the third kind of soil. We're not going to talk about all four. We're only going to talk about the third kind of soil because this is one that relates to busyness and stress. 
So let me read this from two different translations. First of all, the Amplified. Mark chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. And the ones, the seeds, sown among the thorns are others who hear the word, so the seed is planted in the heart. The word goes in. But they're overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do, all the things they want to get. Oops, I'm, I'm, I'm combining two scriptures. I'm going to back up. I'm going to start again. The ones sown among the thorns are others who hear the word, then the cares and anxieties of the world... And the distractions of the age, there's the word distractions, we're talking about distractions today, and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word and it becomes fruitless. We're talking about, is your life abundant? Are you living the purpose that Jesus came to give, the full and abundant life? Is there fruit? This scripture says that the ones sowed in the, in the weeds and the thorns with the cares of life and all the stuff of life, that the word is choked out and it doesn't produce fruit. And then in the message, the second one that I was kind of mixing up there for a minute, let me read this, this one. Same scripture, message translation. The seed cast in the weeds represents the ones who hear the kingdom news that's good news. The ones who hear the promises. And today we're talking about healing. So they hear this good news, but they're overwhelmed with worries about all the things they have to do and all the things they want to get. The stress strangles what they heard and nothing comes of it. The word isn't fruitful in this kind of soil of heart. The word isn't manifest. So when the seed or the word of God is planted in the ground of our hearts, it has the potential to produce a hundredfold. It has the potential to be manifest in our lives. Like Jesus said, he came to give us that full abundant life. But the seed, the seed doesn't determine how much is produced. The ground does. If we have thorns or weeds in our lives, they can um, enter in our hearts and choke God's word. And we can limit how effective God's word is in our life. So what do those weeds look like? What do those thorns, those issues of life look like? What are those distractions that can distract us from the word? Well, the first list that I have are the, the common issues in the world. So let's go there first. Pressures of life. Mountains of responsibilities. This was my dream. This whole list was my dream. Busyness. Lofty goals. Perfectionism. That was my life before Jesus. That list right there was my life before Jesus. Not knowing that I had a choice not to let all of those things choke out life out of me. But in this realm, that we're in a healing class right now, there are a lot of other issues that can get in the way. Even, even when you're in the middle of seeking God for healing. We've talked about this before. Sometimes we, we can be so inward focused that we're not upward focused. Sometimes we can be so focused on the problem that there is an idol between us and God. An idol is anything that has more power over you than God. An idol is something that you make bigger in your life than God. Even in the midst of a, a, a whatever it is you may be fighting, a diagnosis, chronic or terminal or whatever it is, we it is so important to keep our focus on God. And we're going to look at how that is part of de-stressing your whole life, is to keep your focus in the right place. So, so the enemy is a professional at distraction. The enemy is a professional at distraction, just like now. <laughs> the end, let me say that again. Enemy, you are a liar. We're not going to be distracted. If we take his bait and focus on ourselves to the exclusion of God and receive stress, where's the fruit in our life? So the lie that I want to expose and dispel of is that stress is a way of life and you just have to learn to live with it. Busyness, yes. Things to do, important things to do, yes, that is part of our lives. But stress does not have to be. So what I'm going to do now, and you can flip your paper over, uh, there's 12 things I want to 
I want to just touch on each of these things. T practical tips. This is a practical teaching on how to implement these amazing treasures from God that will allow you to walk without stress, to live the same life you're living now, no matter how busy, no matter how stressful your work is or your job is or your life is, but to do it God's way and to live in the abundance and overflow of life. So here's the first one. Seek him first every day. Matthew 16:33 says, or 6:33 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these other things will be added unto you. It's a, scrap, it's a scripture that talks about worries. And God says, why are you worrying? Look at how well I take care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And you are so much more important. Stop worrying. And then he says, seek me first. And watch how I'll take care of you. The translation I would like to read to you right now is from the Message Bible again. And it says this. This is how that scripture is translated. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. I love that picture. Steep yourself. Think about making tea. Putting your tea bag in the little cup of water, the little pot of water, and letting it sit and steep. The flavor from that little tea bag is just moved out of the tea and into the water until the tea water, the whole cup or pot of tea is full of flavor and full of that rich aroma of the tea. And then you can drink it and enjoy it. That's what God wants us to do with him. He wants us to steep in God reality. This is reality. We say this almost every week. The truth of the word is more real than what you see in your life. It doesn't seem like it is because your senses see what's going on at the doctor. Your body feels what's going on in there. Your life sees everything in the world around you. But the truth of the word is more real it is more real than what you see or feel or know here in this natural realm that we live in. So steep yourself in God reality. Steep yourself in God initiative. Here's some really good news. There's promises in here. His promises are true and he says yes to them. He has initiated it. Jesus finished the work. He paid the price. He's the author of faith. He initiated it. So steep yourself in what God has initiated. You don't have to initiate it. It's not your job to initiate it. It's your job to believe what he did. You don't have to do the work. That's good news. Steep yourself in God um, provision, God reality, God provision, what he's provided. And then the scripture goes on and it says, don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Wow. So here, let's just imagine right now that you've got this crazy life with a hundred zillion things going on and you may have a health issue in the midst of it. There's so much going on. God says, do this first, Cindy. Seek, seek me first and watch how you'll find all your everyday human concerns are met. All of a sudden, I had the answer to why Jenny could do all that. Because God was making sure all her everyday human concerns were met. And I thought, well, if she can do that, I can do that too. And so I started seeking God first. And it works. God allows all your everyday human concerns to be met. He takes care of little things. I can't tell you how many times where I've seen him clear my calendar or give me an extra hour or, or give me extra help or extra um, finances or whatever when I just let him be God of my life. So what does that look like in the practical? This is what I think it should look like. I believe, and I don't want to get legalistic, but I believe we need to schedule our time with God. Look at your day. 
and say, when, God, when is my time with you? Is it first thing in the morning? Is it at lunch? Instead of doing lunch in the whatever, the staff room or the restaurant, am I going to go to my car and have quiet time with you at lunch? Is it right when I come home from work? Maybe you're a, a young mom or, and has a lot of kids and has you know, a lot of responsibilities. You might want to talk to your husband and say, Honey, I need 30 minutes to myself every day. Will you take the kids for those 30 minutes and let me have some time to myself? What does it look like? How can you build that into your day? Schedule it. It might not be the same every day. Maybe your weekends look completely different than your Monday through Friday. But what does that look like to have time to seek God every day? I think it's important that you plan that and that you do your best to follow through with it. And part of that planning, I, and I know this is a little bit maybe anal, but you need to plan your sleep time too. Because sometimes we plan our getting up time to have time with God. So we say, okay, in order for me to have my time first with God, I need to get up at, when I was a teacher, it was like 5 a.m. So then God started to deal with me about my going to bedtime. Because I was getting up at 5 a.m., but I was squishing my, my sleep time to like five hours or four hours, four or five hours. And God spoke to me and said, Cindy, stop it. He didn't tell me not to get up and pray. He told me to make sure I got at least seven hours of sleep. I literally, God spoke to me about sleep. And so I looked at my schedule again. How can I do that, God? There's <laughs> not enough time in the day. But he, he helped me to, to manage that and to plan that into my day. Plan your, your, your sleep because we do need to get rest. So the first, the first one is to seek God first. Number two, cast your cares upon God continuously. First Peter 5, 7 says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. So at the beginning of my day, I do this every day, I, look at, I take a quick look at what my day holds, and then I give God lordship over it. I say, God, this is, you know, I have this appointment <clears throat> or this teaching or this meeting. I don't want it to be about me, God. I trust you. I surrender it to you. I'm dependent on you. I give you lordship over it. I need you, God. I trust you, God. So I look at every little piece of my day and I let him be a part of it. I'm casting my cares. I'm walking into my day saying, Cindy's not doing this day alone. I'm doing it with God. I'm doing it with Holy Spirit. And then I get started with my day. <clears throat> Frank, could you give me a cup of water? Thank you. Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7 says, Be anxious for nothing, <clears throat> but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So this scripture says, when we take our request to God, he gives us shalom. He gives us homeostasis. He gives us that state of being balanced and our heart is guarded. Our mind is guarded. Many of us know that the battlefield's right here. And when we can give it to God and let it go and receive his peace, all of a sudden you can walk through seasons that don't even make sense that you could walk through it with peace. Thank you so much. How many of you have felt like that in the middle of a journey it doesn't make sense that you should have peace, but you do. Raise your hand if you felt that. That is God's shalom. That's his peace. And we can all benefit. We can all receive it. We just need to do what it God's way. Seek him first. Cast your cares. Pray with thanksgiving. Receive his peace. It's a supernatural thing. You don't have to figure it out. He just does it. It's awesome. Number three, pray constantly. Ephesians 6.18 says, Pray at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit, with all manner of prayer and entreaty. So God says pray constantly. Pray at all times. Um, after the holidays, I, I want to teach about praying in the Spirit. I want to teach about the, the, our helper, our advocate, our comforter, 
I want to teach more about the Holy Spirit. But for right now, let's just focus on the part of this that says pray at all times. Pray at all times. Pray throughout your day. Yes, seek God first and, and give him lordship over your day. But we can, we can purpose. And this takes, this takes growing. This is a process. But we can purpose to pray all day long. We don't have to just pray in the morning. So what does that look like? Well, again, I'm just going to use myself for an example because that's the only example I have. <laughs> I have my morning time with God. And then I have a prayer partner. So every day at 7.15, I call my prayer partner. And we pray together. Um, and then I go do my workout if I am able to, if I have my time. And then when I go take my shower and get cleaned up for the day, I have a speaker in the bathroom. And that speaker, I either put on a good teaching or I put on praise and worship. That is feeding my soul. While I'm doing nothing in the bathroom except mindless, you know, showering, washing hair, drying hair, makeup, all that stuff. That's a great time to spend with God. When it's good weather and I'm walking outside, I walk and I praise, or I walk and I pray, or I walk and declare scriptures. When I'm cooking, Kent knows, my music's on. It's right there next to me. I'm just worshiping God in the middle of when I'm cooking or preparing dinner. I pray in tongues a lot. Even when I was a teacher, I had to, one of, I was an interventionist, so I would go get groups of children for 30 minutes, take them back. Go get another group of children for 30 minutes, take them back. And our school was big, so I walked a lot. And it was elementary, so we were still in that, that stage where teacher walks in front and the kids walk behind, so it was like a little Pied Piper thing. So I'm walking in the front praying in tongues, all the way there, all the way back, praying in tongues. Not loudly, of course. But we can find time. Car time is an awesome time to spend with God. When you're driving, you can have great teaching on. You can have praise and worship on. You can be praying in tongues. You can be praying, praying, talking to God. Car time is an amazing time to spend with God. There are so many little pockets of time we have through our day. Starting your day as soon as you wake up saying, Good morning, Father. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Before you go to bed saying, Good night, Papa. Good night. Thank you for this amazing day and I often ask him for to speak to me even in my dreams or even in my nighttime so throughout the day constantly talk to God constantly pray these are all ways to de-stress these are all ways to take that huge burden that huge yoke off of your shoulders and let God be God in your life number four ask for a prayer of agreement with a faith partner powerful it's powerful to have a prayer partner, to have a faith partner. Matthew 18 is that prayer, that, that scripture about the prayer of agreement. Again, I say to you that if two of you on earth agree concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I want to tell you something I've discovered. And you don't all have this. You're not all as lucky as I am. But if you have a husband who is in agreement with you in faith, or husbands, if your wife is in agreement with you in faith, there is such power in a husband and wife agreeing together. There is such power in the prayer of agreement between a husband and wife. I, it is a, it's a done deal. If I pray for Kent or he prays for me and we come together in agreement, it's done. The scripture always says that he hears us and it's done. So I need to speak that it's always done. So I'm speaking that wrong. I, I confess. But there's just a huge power between a husband and wife. So do it. Take advantage of that amazing gift we have as the in the covenant of marriage and stand together. Kent and I have prayed through Adam's whole building process with that studio. And we've seen one thing after another just unfold and, and them have wisdom and knowledge to how to do something they've never done before. He prays for me often. When I'm preparing a message, I say, honey, I'm preparing this message. Will you pray with me? I just want it to be all God. And before he leaves, he stands and he prays in agreement with me. If you don't have that luxury, find a prayer partner that you can stand in agreement with. Call one of the people on our list, on our, our, our ministry list. Pray that prayer of agreement. Number five. Now we're going to get into the more natural kind of things, the just the everyday things. Number five, delegate. Learn to ask for help 
and accept help. And let go of having everything done your way and in your timing. This is an area that I've grown in tremendously. I'm going to go to another area in a minute that I was guilty of, which was perfectionism, which I have let go of that too. But um, it's so much easier when you let other people help. And it's okay to ask for help. People like to help. People are open to helping. This was one of the biggest changes I made. I, was, I had the same position before Jesus, B.C., and A.D., Cindy B.C., Cindy A.D., and after I came to know Jesus, and I did things completely differently. I asked for help. I received help. I let people do what they offered to do in their own way, and I was good with that. So go ahead and delegate. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Number six, prioritize. Make a list of what you need or want to accomplish, and then prioritize it. What's most important? Now, I believe it's, we need to do the most important first. And one of the things we tend to do is look at the list and say, what is the thing you'd, you want to do the most? Or that is maybe the easiest, and you think, well, I'll get that out of the way first. But when you do, the things that are most important don't get attended to, and then you have that burden on you because it isn't completed. So I choose to do what I prioritize first when I'm freshest. So if you call me and we make appointments for um, time to talk or pray, usually I will, I will ask to do that in the afternoon because my morning time is my time with God, my time preparing messages, my time praising and worshiping and, and doing what is that I know I need for me. And then I, in the afternoon I do other things. I do, you know, shopping, cooking, that kind of stuff in the afternoon. But what is the most important? Do that first. Prioritize. Um, don't hesitate to take things off that list. doesn't mean everything on that list has to be done. There are things that, you, that aren't that important that you can uh, delete. And avoid spending so much time on little things that you don't get to the more important things. So prioritize. Number seven, do your best but don't overdo. Perfection is the enemy's counterfeit for excellence. Perfectionism isn't good. Trying to be perfect can keep you working longer at things than is necessary. And sometimes trying too hard on any one thing makes a person very inefficient. You don't need to be perfect. But excellence is good. So again, I, I've done this both ways. I was the type A perfectionist who had to have everything done a certain way and it had to be perfect and every I dotted and every T crossed. I not like that anymore. I still want to work with excellence. And Kent and I have, have committed to serve God with excellence. But perfectionism isn't part of it. If things don't work out perfectly, oh well. If God's word goes forth, that is what is important. If we can love you, that is what is important. If we can be reflections of the light of God, that's what's important. So look at the way that you're viewing things. And the best, best note there is to, be, to simplify. Simplify things. There's so many ways we can simplify. A couple of examples in, that I've learned to simplify that I didn't used to do. One of them is, is in my home is I have help. I have, a, I have somebody that comes and helps me clean my house just once a month, but I don't have to do the deep stuff. I don't have to mop the floors, and I don't have to clean the showers and the glass and all that stuff. She comes and she does that once a month. I keep it up the rest of the time. That takes a huge burden off of me. There's a whole lot of things I'd rather be doing. Could I? Yep, I could. But I choose to, to spend my time in other ways. I've simplified that area of my life. Another area of my life that I've simplified is, is when I love having people. I love to fellowship. I love having people over. You guys know I love to cook and I love to feed people. But I do it simply. I'm a simple cook. You're not going to get any gourmet stuff at Cindy's house. It's good though. It's healthy. But it's simple. And a lot of times people bring stuff and I let them. You know, they'll offer to bring something. I'll say, okay. You know, I'll do this and this and you help me fill in the, the other stuff. We're going to have a Christmas party at my home on Friday and 
I'm only making the main course and everybody's bringing something. My heart is to get together and to celebrate together. Keep it simple. I don't worry about the dirty dishes in the sink and stuff. Just Let's just celebrate and have fun together. Take me five minutes to do that after you guys all leave. So just simplify in any way that you can. I did that in my job too. My lesson plans. I had taught many, many years. I knew what I still had to, was required to do lesson plans, but I did them very simply. And I knew how to just take that and present it to the kids. There's a lot of ways you can simplify. Um, number eight, learn to say no. Overcommitting may leave you overwhelmed. So look at the requests that come to you and see if they fit with your priorities. If they don't, don't be afraid to say no. I've said no many times, even in the area of ministry. It's okay. Let God direct. Let God help you to see what that priority is. Um, I've had, uh, back in my um, learning consultant days, I've been asked to do summer projects where I was on a subcommittee to do a certain whatever. And I would look at the project, and if it was close to my heart, if I was passionate about it, I would say yes. But if I wasn't, if I had other plans for my summer, which was often writing or doing something with, you know, with the ministry, then I would say no. I do that now. I do that now. I, um, I had a phone call this day, and um, somebody wanted to, to talk today, and I said, you know what? I'm preparing right now for tonight. Let's do it at 6.30. Come, come at 6.30. I'll have time then to talk. And I don't feel one bit guilty about that because I, I just look at my priorities, and I say, okay, yes, I absolutely want to have that conversation, but right now, this is what I need to be doing. So let's have the conversation at this time. So look at your life and, and um, learn to say no or readjust. Number nine, watch for signs of imbalance and then readjust. So what does that look like in your life? If the stress is piling on, if you're feeling the chaos, the confusion, the pulling from every direction, what does that look like in you? I know what it looks like in me. Kent knows what it looks like in me. It looks like a short fuse. It looks like um, uh, an, uh, moodiness, which he doesn't see me moody very often. So if he sees me being moody or sad or grumpy, he knows something, you know, he'll, he'll say, what's going on? He knows that there's something stressing me out. If, if um, in me, that looks like not being as attentive to people who are talking to me, instead of actively listening, I'm listening, but I'm like, my eyes are glazed over because I'm thinking of what I need to be doing over here. And he can recognize that. I know what it looks like in me. I miss appointments. You know, I have whatever appointment and I completely, completely miss it. That's a sign to me that I'm out of balance, that things are getting out of balance. So when I have those things, I start, I do a couple things. First, I, I go to God. <laughs> I say, God, okay, what am I, you know, help me with this. How do I reprioritize? How do I get rebalanced? How do I readjust? About, uh, not last summer, but the summer before, God stopped me right in my tracks, and he readjusted for me. I was just adding on way, way, way too many appointments and, and um, ministry things. It was all ministry. So you can look at even really good things, like ministering to people. And it cannot be good because it becomes works and it becomes legalistic and it, it, isn't, it isn't God leading. It was Cindy leading or Cindy pushing or something. And he stopped me and he said, and he, he just literally slowed me down. And he gave me a very clear direction. He said, I, I do ministry in my home as well as here. And he said, Cindy, don't do more than two of those home ministry sessions a week. No more than two. So I started looking at my week, and if I had two already on my calendar, then I said, I'm, this week's full. Let's go to next week. And if that week had two, then I say, I'm busy for three weeks, so let's go to the next week. And I learned to listen to what he said and adjust. So that's number nine. Evaluate, and this is also under not, number nine, evaluate and ask yourself, what can I take out of my schedule? Can I ask for help in any areas? 
I even went, I remember one time, this is still under number nine, I remember one time I was recognizing this going on in me, and I even went to my supervisor, and I told her, she was my principal and we were very close, and I said, Denise, I'm out of balance, I need to find some way to, to adjust, and we worked together, and she helped me. She took a few things away, um, gave me some help, did whatever she could do. She didn't realize. A lot of times your supervisor doesn't realize that there's no way you can do all of that. And she l just supported me in that, and we worked through it together. But I took the initiative to do that. Number 10, establish accountability partners. Again, you know what those signs are in you if you're out of balance. And... One of the things that I've done is I have asked an accountability partner. I tell them what those signs look like in me. And I say, if you see this in me, tell me. And they did. <laughs> that part wasn't so fun. But when I was a teacher, I had two people. I had my principal, that woman that was a really close to me, and I had another really close teacher friend who was a Christian. They were both Christians. And I asked both of them to look for those signs and if they saw them to come and tell me. And they both did at different seasons. And, I, and at that time, then you got to say, Okay, what am I going to do about it? Be open to receive that. Be open to make your adjustments. Number 11, don't plan too far ahead. This is from that same chapter in Matthew that we read the scripture about seek God first. This is just a couple, this is the very next verse actually. So do not worry or be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will have worries and anxieties of its own. Sufficient for each day is its own trouble. Many times we plan so far ahead that we have, uh, we allow ourselves to um, use our time and our energies worrying about those details that are way out there. It's almost as if it's the opposite of faith. Faith is, is believing those things you don't see. Believing those things. Faith is evidence in those things you don't see. But when you worry and you plan so far ahead, you, you don't even know what's to come. And yet you're all in a, a, a turmoil about what's happening way out there months from now. This is an area that um, I've had a lot of people ask me questions about, and I just let them know. I don't, I don't look that far ahead. They'll ask me questions about retirement or about the ministry or, or about what's coming. And it's like, well, I know what's coming next week. I know what's coming maybe within the month. But that's all. I just trust God. We take one step at a time. When he opens the door, we follow. We are 100% open. But I am not going to worry about what is in the next six months ahead. I'm not going to spend my time doing that. God says not to. So I'm not going to. And number 12, the last one, unplug. In Psalm 46.10, the Bible says, Be still and know that I am God. In this life that we live in America, it's not a conducive place to knowing God. That word up there, knowing, is the word gnosko, the, the Greek word gnosko or Hebrew, because this is Psalm, the Hebrew word gnosko. And it means knowing personally, knowing intimately, knowing through experience for yourself. God says, be still and come to know me. But in this nation we live in, there's so much going on that people aren't still. And it's hard for them to know God. And even when they have time, even if they have any little pieces of time, we fill it up. We fill it up with stuff that's probably not always good, like mindless time fillers, Facebook, TV, even the news, video games, stuff. We fill it up with stuff. We need to unplug from this world and start putting our minds on God and giving him an opportunity to speak to us in that still, small voice. We need to be still and let God speak to us. That's what you did, Mary. That's what you did when you sat down and you listened. That's what you do when you seek God about that one word for the year. You can't do that without getting still.
You have to take that time to get still and listen. God wants us to do it all the time and come to know him. I'm going to close with this scripture. This is Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep him in perfect peace, in perfect shalom, in perfect homeostasis, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you. God says he will keep us in that place of perfect balance without stress. You still will have very often a busy life, but you can live it in peace when our mind is stayed on him and when our trust is in him. We're going to um, worship to a song right now. Kent, go ahead and get that ready. I'm just going to close with prayer. But we're going to worship with a song. It's a Carrie Job song called Be Still. And my prayer, especially this month, because on top of our jobs, on top of our families and the busyness of life, right now, because of the way our nation is, a lot of us are, are very busy with all of the, the things that are connected with Christmas. God didn't intend it that way. We've done it to ourselves, as Ken often says. Cindy, you do it to yourself. We've done it to ourselves. So I pray, Father, right now that we simplify life, that we get still, and we listen to your beautiful, loving, tender voice. I pray, God, that we choose to trust you and not to try to do things on our own ability, our own understanding. And Father, if this is something, this stress, this distractionary, is something that is uh, disrupting the peace in our life or disrupting the homeostasis in our life or causing dis-ease in our life, help us to correct it. Help us to come back into that place of balance. Help us to run, Daddy, back into your arms and let you take care of us and not try to be superwoman or superman and, and just let you take care of us and be our God. I declare right now, God, that we make the decision to give you lordship over every, every part of our life and we live in the peace that you've called us to live in. And we are healed and made whole. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.